passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. <laughs> Did you miss me? So, how I have missed you. But I knew that we would be back together again someday. I saw it in my dreams. This is the Firefly Funhouse. And my name is Bray Wyatt. Yowie wowie, we're gonna have so much fun here! When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody. It's Rewind Raw Time. I'm John Pollock, along with Wei Ting, who is going to help me get through the rest of tonight. I'm exhausted, Wei. That show nearly killed me. Man, I am too. I am oh, too. I've, I'm, I, glad I, I'm glad I wasn't on an island for this one, because, man, I struggled, struggled oh, through man. this three-hour show. Well, I mean, I, I had a particularly uh, longer day, day than typical. I woke up at a at a pretty bright and early time of... Of about 10 a.m. for me. Oh. So, so uh, I don't usually uh, do that on Monday nights or Tuesday nights because I know I have to do this so late into the evening. So I don't know if I'm I, my I, my viewing experience was skewed because of that. Um, but this, I completely agree with you, um, was definitely a bit of a drag. Well, I hope Pat McAfee is not going to be putting out a video on the crowd from Des Moines because I will come out with my own video defending the great city. Of Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, as would does. I. As would yes. I. Yeah. You could put this show like, fuck, I don't know, in like Chicago or anywhere. And I I, I don't know. Maybe you would get a bit better reaction there. But I, I certainly don't blame Des Moines. I really felt that they were trying to kill poor Wei Ting during this show. Because all I could think about during this show was your heart rate and not just putting you through a Baron Corbin match, but then making you wait all show long for another Baron Corbin match. I thought there's a chance you could flatline, and that was the grand plan of tonight's show. I actually forgot to to take my measurement, unfortunately. But I can tell you, it was probably higher than normal, because I kind of felt like really stressed out throughout it all like contemplating my existence type of stress. So I would I could tell you it was not it was not a 55, maybe closer to a 85. I cannot wait to see how this third hour does on Tuesday. Um do you think it could be a greater decrease than typical? I do. I feel this week's show is going to be way down from the last 2 weeks where you were coming off WrestleMania, you had the superstar shakeup. I think tonight's show is 
is going to be well below the last two weeks. Well, let's see. And let's see if coming off of it, they, you know, they make any changes. Cause I can, I feel like putting Baron Corbin in two matches on this three hour show. And one of them being the main event. Um, I can't be the only person who just looks at that and, and just asks why, how, how it's possible. This show, it, Raw specific, it's been hit by a lot. Like, WrestleMania's gone. The Superstar Shakeup's done. You know, Lesnar's off TV. Uh, Ronda. Ra- Ronda's off TV. Roman Reigns has gone to another show. Uh, even something small like Dean Ambrose is gone. And the new talent that's come in, like, tonight's show, I think you should have been feeling, like, all the new matchups and pairings and feuds. I didn't feel any of that tonight. Oh, it they- felt like a, a show that... Man, I'm listen- I'm watching Ricochet in front of the quietest crowd he's been in front of in the last decade. There were new pairings, but unfortunately, like a lot of the new guys that I feel like they should have been focused on, they they had lose matches. So a guy that like like Ricochet, who I think we all felt very excited by, um, by all accounts, like you know, several months into the roster now, he should be like a focused project that should be taken off right about at, at, by this point. But instead, I mean, the crowd reaction was quite tepid. And on top of that, to make him lose against Robert Roode, of yeah, all people, Robert, I, I really question that decision. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, we've also got uh, a bunch of news items coming out of uh, not just today, but also uh, from the weekend. Because uh, some of you, if you were busy at work or what have you on Monday, you would have missed the untelevised Superstar Shakeup that we will bring you up to speed on because there was an unannounced Superstar Shakeup on Monday. It might even still be going. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what this roster will look like uh, by the end of the week? Uh, but we start things off uh, with a look ahead here at postwrestling.com. On Tuesday night, Way and I are going to be back with Rewind to SmackDown. On Wednesday, we are going to be having the double shot, including a review of Viceland's uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode. The Killing of Bruiser Brody that we're going to chat about. Thursday on the Cafe Hangout, we're going to be joined by Brandon Howard Thurston to chat about the WWE earnings call that goes down on Thursday. As well, Brandon Davey will have up next coming your way. Very popular on Friday, the MCU review. As everyone is getting set for Avengers Endgame, uh, we will be traveling to 2014. And we're going to be going by way of space to Guardians of the Galaxy that Way and I are going to review. And then it's the weekend of Milton. We have Nate bringing back the Rocky Maivia Picture Show Saturday with a review of Be Cool with our good friend Brent Chittenden. And then Sunday, Nate is joining me for Rebellion, Impact Wrestling on pay-per-view. It's a busy week, at least one show per day at postwrestling.com and the Post Wrestling Cafe. Exciting stuff, Way. I'm very excited for all of that. Um, uh, Are you going to Rebellion? You were thinking about it. I, I'm still thinking about it. I have to kind of see what my weekend is like. But um, the card actually looks good. Oh, it'll so, be a good show. Yeah. I think it'll be a good crowd. They're doing uh, the pay-per-view and television Monday at the Rebel Entertainment Complex, which the last time they had their pay-per-view in Toronto, which was last July, uh, that was that was a really solid show that they mm-hmm. put on last summer. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping for a very good show on, on Sunday. The build-up's been very good. Yeah. Uh, shall we do our draw? There's Let's a lot we have to tackle on this show, so we just got to go, 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 go. I got, uh, my, I got my box here of all of our patrons' names, and I'm uh, digging. It's a Well, wait. Box. Is, be careful that uh, Mercy, the buzzard, doesn't jump out of your box. 
I've I've checked. No no buzzards. No um, puppets. What what is this? The is other the one? merchandise Witch? from Waiting's Funhouse? <laughs> no witches. Oh, um, just names. Let us go through. This is our weekly draw. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe automatically entered in our weekly draw. What is the winner uh, going to be leaving with uh, from this draw? Post Wrestling Combo Pack, which is a T-shirt, some stickers, and even maybe a coffee sleeve. Oh, and also a signed postcard, John. Wonderful. A signed postcard. It's not every day that you get one of those. So uh, Way is digging deep into the box. He is going through. He is looking at people that have signed up for the cafe last July, last August, September, October, November. He's filing all over the place. He has grabbed that name. He is looking at the first name, the last name. He is wondering if he can pronounce this last name correctly, and he's going to take a stab at it because that name is. Congratulations to Andrew Cook. I could say that. nailed it. That's how you pronounce it. Andrew Cook from Canterbury. Congratulations. From Canterbury? Yeah. Like Mark Canterbury? Like Canterbury Tales. Okay. Wonderful. Well, congratulations. You are the the proud owner now of a post-wrestling prize pack, including a signed postcard. Yeah, congrats. Awesome. All right. uh, Let's get into some news. Did you have a good weekend, Way? A good uh, Easter weekend? I had a wonderful weekend. Um, uh... Um, I had some Cadbury mini eggs. Always a, a go-to on yeah. Easter weekend. Those are great. I had some uh, uh, fried chicken, actually. Oh. Not so much an Easter thing, but delicious. You don't need eggs. an excuse for fried chicken. It's it's acceptable all days of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you should do it every day of the year, but um, on, on occasion, sure. How was your Easter? You know what was weird? On Friday, I went to a Starbucks, and the barista... Uh, greeted me by saying, happy Good Friday. And I I said, is it a happy occasion? She was like, I don't know. I "I mean, it is called Good Friday, but it is definitely not celebrating anything good. What? uh, Oh, like the death of, wait, the death of Jesus? Yes. But was was the result not good, though, the result of all that stuff? The ending, but that's when he rises uh, from the dead okay. on Easter. Spoiler. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to take that up with the uh, with those pe- with those guys. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't choose that name. This was like 9:30 in the morning on Friday, and I was just like, uh, I, I don't know. I've never been greeted before by like such a celebratory Happy Good Friday. Yeah, was this before or after they told you to get the fuck out? Uh. Yeah, she she These poor promptly. people. They make minimum wage. They the last thing they need is to is for this smartass to try to ruin their day. Now listen, I I bought a coffee. I was a customer that day on a day where maybe uh, business is not as uh, swift. It's a holiday. People are busy. Anyway, let's get into uh, what is going on. Let's talk about the the unofficial superstar shakeup that went down on Monday. So we got a bunch of uh, moves. Um, so it was it was known last week Samoa Joe was supposed to be on Raw, uh, did not appear on the show last week. It was apparently ill, so he's officially on Raw. People knew that. And then we have Andrade and Zelina Vega. After one week, they're going back to SmackDown. Aleister Black is going to SmackDown. And as we reported, Cesaro going to Raw. So in theory, we have broken up Ricochet and Aleister Black and the bar. Um, Andrade and Vega 
Um, one thing here that you can note is that of the couples that are in the company, they have preserved pretty much all of them that people are aware of, that are public couples. Right, yeah, that we're aware of. And I wonder, you know, if it's in the interest of a of a couple that, that's employed by the WWE to let their uh, coupling be known publicly so that they, they would account for something like this. There was a time when maybe you do want to keep it quiet, but they are pretty good about keeping people together now. Like, you can see, I no. mean, they, like, name, they're pretty much all together. Yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, like, like, the, like I think the last time was, like, something like, uh, what is it, Cass and Carmella? They didn't really care too much about that. I think so much, some of it maybe seems to depend on whether or not you're you're married, and also obviously your rank. But I, I, in the case of Andrade and Charlotte, though, I I, I do find it find it kind of curious. Mike Johnson uh, reported that his his uh, on or what is it, Andrade and, and Vega moving back to SmackDown uh, was made according to Mike Johnson in part at the request of Fox, as the brand lacked any major Latino stars following the superstar shakeup. And that once the series moves to Fox this October, there are, pl- there are plans to spotlight WWE's Latino stars on their Spanish language station, Fox Deportes. So, I mean, if if this is true, then perhaps, you know, the Charlotte thing is maybe only partially a reason or maybe not a reason at all. What, what do you think about the any of the other moves? Uh, Aleister Black to SmackDown and Cesaro to Raw? Um, personally, I've. I mean, I think the bar's great. Like, I was kind of one of their... I was a detractor when they initially got together because I thought they they were kind of painful in terms of, like, um, I guess, like, character. Uh, but they've really grown to become one of the best teams in the company. Now, that said, though, I always feel like Cesaro is somebody who is destined for more than just a tag team run. So if this means, you know, finally that we are going to get a serious Cesaro singles run, I'm, I'm more than happy for it. Um, you know, I also... Wonder maybe what Sheamus's longevity is, you know, and, and at least you know with with the way his body is holding up. So perhaps this is a move done for for some of those reasons. So I'm happy enough with that, you know. I I wish the bar had a better kind of send off, um, but you know, that's kind of unfortunate. Um, I also feel like Ricochet and Black, despite them being fantastic in ring together, I always found thought they were sort of like a weird mashed up team that didn't really, at least in terms of story or character, have much of a reason to belong together. So I always saw them as, you know, potentially like uh, going off on their own ways anyway. And and if you're going to start that right now, again, I don't really have an issue with it. I just see a lot of the a lot of these breakups of the tag teams. I just don't have a ton of faith that they're going to be significantly better off apart from one another. Uh, but time is obviously going to determine that I would question, uh, Bailey and Sasha splitting up, um, yeah, just based on tonight, to. Ricochet and Alistair being split up. I think that the tag division at least gives you almost like a silo from just becoming completely forgotten as a single star where I think it's just a lot easier to be forgotten. Yeah, it could um, happen the other way too, John. Cause I mean, how many tag teams are out there that we you just don't hear about? Like what 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 did Gable and Rude do for the for the past year? Uh, probably more than what Gable's going to be doing now, and Possibly. Bobby Rude and uh, spiking the pregnancy rate in Des Moines, Iowa. It's all possible. So much of it depends on follow up. But I suppose if you're looking at, at Ricochet's first week as a single star, I I could see maybe a bit of pessimism. So uh, yeah, we will see. Those are the moves. Uh, at least as of Monday. So we'll see if anything else uh, changes. Ronda Rousey and Travis Brown posted this video on Monday night, and Rousey gave a brief update 
on where things are in her life, her career. She stated that when she came in last year, the original plan was to wrestle pretty much full-time through November of last year, and then she was going to wrap up and go off and make a family. Uh, Once they put the title on her and it became a possibility that she was going to headline WrestleMania, she decided to stick around through WrestleMania, and now uh, she is looking to start a family. And also, she gave an update on her broken pinky knuckle that she suffered during the three-way at WrestleMania. They had footage of her uh, going in for surgery on the knuckle and had two pins inserted, and she's going to be in a cast for another four weeks. Uh, But this uh, featured Travis and Ronda heavily alluding to all their attempts to make a baby. They are going to go travel and continue to try and make a baby. Oh, thanks. Great. Love that visual. Well, if you want a visual way, uh, watch the final 15 seconds of this video, and I will just leave it at that. Um, could you maybe actually pull this video up and we could get a live reaction to Way well, on not? the show? Why not? I, I, I think, like, why not, Way? It's, it's listen, late. I, don't I need work, some energy. I don't work in an office area anymore. There, there's no such thing as not safe for work in, in my world anymore. So what's the harm, eh? R- Ronda Rousey on YouTube? Uh, go to, go to postwrestling.com, the only oh, okay. site you need. Yes, of course. And of course. Uh, click on the story. Yep. I'm looking at and, it, and I'm and watching. Go the to vi- like the f- the final 15 seconds. Oh God! Okay. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I'm looking at Travis. Uh, Travis Brown in a red um, g-string. What is this? Banana hammock? Is that what you call it? I think so. Holy shit! Wow. Um. Thank you. I didn't really need that, but. Happy That's what Ronda Rousey's up to. She stated that uh, she, she doesn't know what her future will be in WWE. She says, you know, if she has a baby and nothing else is uh, of importance, she, she may not come back. She may come back. She really doesn't know at this stage. But it's going to be a super long time if she is uh, ever coming back. I, I mean, I'm ultimately really happy, you know, for, for them. To, the fact that they, you know, decided to choose family over, I'm sure, like, WWE or even UFC. Uh, people are throwing them a lot of money to, to stay. But yet they decided to choose this, which I'm I'm very happy to see. Now, I, I find it interesting that their, their initial deal only went till November. So initially, I would say, like, is it are, are we right? Are we right to assume that she didn't have any WrestleMania plans and certainly not a main event? Uh, at, at least not originally. I don't know. Right. Like the title, she got the title in June. So I, I don't know when the, the plans changed, but um, yeah, it looks like November was the initial uh, wrapping update, uh, even though she does have a three-year deal uh, with two years remaining on this deal, but that was going to be uh, when she finished up in November. So at, at some point uh, she stated after winning the title and the main event became uh real that's when she decided to stick around longer cool cool okay so what else do we have here uh dustin rhodes is going to aew he put out a statement that he had requested his release and was granted it and is facing cody on may 25th they debuted a video on saturday night i thought dustin cut an awesome promo it was actually a series of promos all edited together and also introduced a new uh color scheme for his face paint yeah kind of darth maul ish oh I don't know how cra- you're right i don't know how crazy i was about it well i mean listen he's tried this before like he's he's we've seen seven we've seen um black rain um 
Something tells me that this will be met with a much, much better reception than either of those characters, though. To me, there's something oh, I, that- I think this match is going to be so hot in oh, that yeah. venue. Like, this feels to me like it's... I saw a lot of skepticism about the match. I also saw a lot of people loving it. I thought the promo was awesome. Yeah. And I have no doubt that this is going to be one of the most heated matches. Because this crowd is going to be so into this match. And... I, I think probably it's probably doing like the big embrace at the end of the match. Like it's probably going to be one of the, the high points for uh, an emotional standpoint on the night. Very much like how, you know, Cody, Cody versus uh, Nick Aldis stole, stole the show in many people's eyes at all in. I think this could very well do the same, you know, stealing the show from, from the likes of Jericho versus uh, uh, um, Omega or, or Pac versus Neville. I think in terms of story, this probably has obviously the deepest kind of, you know, most long, long form uh, version of, of, of telling a story like that. Um, I think it's a match that everybody wanted to see for a long time when these two had their run as a tag team in the WWE and they never capitalized on that. Um, so they're finally doing it now and they're doing it with their own creative vision. So you can expect it to be done right. I'm almost surprised that they would go to it so quickly at double or nothing when I feel like, you know, this could potentially be something you built up to maybe for all in two or or a, 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 a future show, but it could also be the way to kickstart a, a, a story with these two. Um, nonetheless, I think it's a match that I, I'm personally looking very forward to. I think Goldust could still, sorry, Dustin Rhodes could still really go from the last time I saw him in ring. Yeah, and it's it's a question of, like, maybe Dustin doesn't believe he's got many matches left, and this is kind of a bucket list thing to do with Cody. The guy had double knee surgery last summer. He's right. 50 now. Um so it could be a deal. To, like, I fully expect this match ends with the big embrace. And then maybe you build to a tag match is next where they're together or something. But I don't know how regular you can expect Dustin to be in this company. But maybe he will. I, I watched this video and thought, man, if you don't get an Arn Anderson, Dustin could be another great, like, authority figure type uh, character. I just, man, this guy was like there was like a restraining order between him and a microphone in WWE. And Mm -hmm. like this video was great. They, they, I mean, WWE certainly seem like, um, like they, they don't want to give like such big roles. It, it, it feels to like, I guess, older people. Um, and you know, in the case of like Goldust, he didn't even really get a proper send off. I guess he never properly retired either. But um, I, I, I think he still has a lot of life left in his in ring career. From again, from the last time I saw him, I haven't seen him post surgery, so I'm not sure. But I, at least like in terms of a promo, in terms of being a character, in terms of in ring, um, I think he. I'm still looking forward to see seeing how he's doing. I, I, I you know, beyond like though, you know, the the on screen GM t- potential. Obviously, he still he he among like so many other people in the industry probably has so much to give to like a a younger roster. And if they're hiring a bunch of people that you know don't have any TV experience or maybe are lacking in the character department, I it's hard for me to think of a better teacher than somebody like a Gold Dust Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Friday night, CM Punk showed up under a mask at a uh, independent show in Wisconsin for MKE Wrestling, which is run by Silas Young from. Ring of Honor, and it featured Punk just coming into the Knights of Columbus Hall, delivering a GTS, and then getting the hell out of there. And that was it. And uh, Benno was actually one of the first people to like really call attention to this. And it's since come out that Punk has done this a couple of times. It's gone kind of unnoticed, uh, but this one did not. And uh, you know the, the the clip has surfaced. Like Punk has actually talked about you know if he were to come back, it would be 
some something like this where you wouldn't even know it was him. He was probably doing it even before that, even before saying that to, to uh, like to in the interview, right? Maybe we don't know, but um, I think it's awesome. It's hilarious. It's one of those great kind of little internet things that, uh, again, like somebody seems to be doing completely off the radar, not for any type of uh, financial compensation. Um, I I think it's great, and I think it's a great way to like build buzz for a potential return, even though I could truly believe him having zero interest in that. Who is the next independent promoter to buy that hoodie online <laughs> and do that on their show with someone under a mask? Uh, every independent wrestling show that exists. Literally, all you have to do is look up punk photos <laughs> online and and buy his whatever yeah. t-shirt or hoodie he's wearing, and you can just replicate this now at your local indie and get 24-hour buzz out of it. You don't even need the guy to know how to properly do a GTS, because Punk's GTS looked really rough. And... Wait, I watched this. Like, I wasn't 100%... I, I wasn't anywhere near 100% convinced it was him. Like, that GTS looked awful. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, it was just... It yeah. didn't even look like you're just watching the mannerisms of them, but I mean, it was him. Yeah, yeah. I so, think it's it was hilarious. a cool little deal, especially for the people there that probably had no uh, certainty it was him or even thinking it was him. And they go home and later that weekend find out, no, it was actually him. So I thought it was a cool deal. Overall. Very cool. Uh, and what else do we have here? Uh, just a final thing uh, for the Crockett Cup this weekend. Jazz is off the show. Uh, she has cited some... Uh, Issues that she's uh, going through. Uh, it seems like a uh, personal issue and some uh, physical issue and has vacated the NWA women's title, which she's held for uh, since September of 2016. So this Saturday's pay-per-view will feature Allison Kay, the former Sienna, against uh, someone they're going to name this week for the vacant title. But Jazz did put out a statement uh, that we do have up on the website. So hopefully everything is okay with her, but mm-hmm. she is off the show uh, this weekend. Yeah, she has cited medical and personal issues in her life at this time and is hopeful that she can uh, come back. Quite unfortunate, because, I mean, I was personally looking forward to catching up with Jazz. I hadn't seen her wrestle since her WWE days. So, you know, uh, this show, to me, presented an opportunity to kind of go go and check her out. Um, and really unfortunate that, you know, a reign that long, like, almost like a thousand day rain, which is unheard of these days, you know, kind of gets ended like this. Um, but at the same time, kind of sets up the, the way for her for a return. And I think for this NWA show offers a, a chance to, um, you know, have a bit of mystery attached to it for, with the surprise entrant. Yeah. And way and I are both going to watch that show. So that will probably be on next week's double shot. We'll get around to chatting about that, but that is a, Coming up this Saturday night, which is a busy night. There's a big UFC fight night event and a big Bellator show with uh, Rory McDonald fighting John Fitch. Cool. So let's get into Raw Monday night from Des Moines, Iowa at the Wells Fargo Arena. Paul Levesque came out. Home of Slipknot. The home of Slipknot. Yeah, well, NXT's own Slipknot. Wow. That's that's right. They're now doing the theme. Well, um, I guess maybe... I'm trying to make a good reference here that uh, by the time this show finished, I feel like this version of Raw has left me behind. <laughs> I like that song. I think that song's awesome, actually. The other real guilty pleasure. Triple H is out. Uh, Michael Cole announces there will be two triple threat matches tonight. They list the participants, and the winners will face each other tonight to determine Seth Rollins' uh, challenger at Money in the Bank in four weeks. Rollins then comes out immediately after Hunter does 
gets a very big reaction. He is from Iowa and is wearing a shirt, just in case you weren't sure, that read Iowa's own and got a loud burn it down chant. Rollins says it's surreal to be in his home state with this universal title. He slayed the beast and he brought the title home. Hunter says the landscape has changed and now Rollins is the measuring stick. And Rollins mentions his own history with Money in the Bank. He has been able to cash in and he's also had someone cash in on him. So he's had it both ways. Hey, Hunter, before, before we continue, John, were, did you intend on uh, talking any about um, the weekend shows on this show or did you want to do that another time? The weekend shows for where? Like the the Shield thing and also uh, Sengoku. Oh, yes, on those. Um you know what, let's, let's chat about um, the S.H.I.E.L.D. show at the end. Okay, yep, yeah. sounds good. Uh, so, Rollins says that he is the measuring stick, and Hunter mentions he has not heard from Brock Lesnar or Paul Heyman since WrestleMania, assumes they're both in Las Vegas, and Lesnar's licking his wounds, and after Michael Cole has explained what's going to happen tonight, Hunter proceeds to explain all of these three ways uh, that the announcers just explained to us about five minutes ago, but he was revealing these facts to Seth Rollins. So we got to hear it twice. And then we had the procession of wrestlers. Each one comes out, starting with Samoa Joe, who wants to be a double champion, just like Becky Lynch. Rey Mysterio comes out. Um, I don't know what his argument was. He lost in 10 seconds at WrestleMania, so he <laughs> feels he should be the guy to face Seth Rollins. Then Drew McIntyre comes out, also a loser at WrestleMania. The Miz comes out, another loser at WrestleMania. He's back on Raw, and he's had what they call in the movies a reboot. So I guess that means nothing from the the origin story matters anymore. Miz has got a clean slate now on Raw. Is that what it means? Sure. Yeah, maybe they retconned something. Baron Corbin comes out. At least he won at WrestleMania and mentions uh, retiring a legend. And then the last one is AJ, who comes out, and I swear to God, his new slogan on his shirt and his vest. Are you ready for this one? Never rest, never rust. Oh, my God. Never really? rest. I, I had to double check this. I was like, is that really a you? Never rust. <laughs> never rest, uh. never rust. <laughs> I can imagine absolutely zero kids uh, emulating this man with the tagline "Never rest, Listen, never rust." I can't, I can't see AJ Styles himself replicating this line. As I cannot maybe, wait till he has to force this into a promo. Well, he didn't say it on this show, thankfully. But man, um, the move to SmackDown I think is really going to hurt him because it took this dude's biggest catchphrase: uh, "Never rest, never rust." Uh, it's hard for me to see that one catch on. I don't see this being the next Bullet Club shirt. Well, for $40 Canadian, you can get this shirt, which is available right now on WWE, uh, WWE Shop. Never rest, never rust. <laughs> oh, man. My, it's my favorite. I'm putting this one down for our, uh, for our worst of show when we have worst piece of merchandise. This is the leader. This is the, this is the front runner okay, uh, sure. as of April 22nd. Uh, he says uh, they all want Seth Rollins. They all take their turns doing this. I was like, okay, great. Uh, and this took 15 minutes. And at the end, Seth said he's ready for any of them. Why? Because I'm Seth freaking Rollins, and I'm going to burn it down. This thing was 15 minutes. It felt like it, dude. I this mean, segment rusted. <laughs> it felt like the same generic WWE opening segment you've seen for the past 20 years, except this time it's with a new roster. Um, very lazy. 
Cookie cutter, totally skippable. So we started off with our first three-way. Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, and AJ Styles. Styles tried for a Styles Clash onto Rey, but he turned it into a Rana. Joe landed a Uranagi out of the corner. And then Joe avoids a 619, and Rey goes for this Tornillo to the floor. And it looked like he was trying to land a DDT, but just bounced off of Joe and crashed down. Ray and AJ fight on the top. Joe joins them and back body drops both off. And they went through two commercial breaks. Ray hit a crucifix bomb onto Joe. AJ made the save. Then uh, it, uh, it was Ray missing the 619, allowing Joe to apply a coquina clutch. Styles goes for a springboard. He gets caught in the coquina clutch and then does the deal where he kicks off of the corner, lands on top of Joe, only gets a two count. And then Styles and Joe are both laying on the middle ropes. Ray hits a 619 to Joe, gets caught by Styles off the uh, the springboard senton, and Styles delivers a Styles clash to Ray onto Joe, and then Styles pins Joe. Uh, really clever uh, finishing sequence, and I, this was a pretty fast paced, fun three way. I thought with AJ getting the victory. Yeah, I mean, I would say this was a good match. I think it was a good match. I certainly enjoyed it. By the end of this show, this was like the greatest match in history uh, by comparison. It was a really hot, creative finish. I would love to see all these three together again, but hopefully next time in a program with a story, because I feel like just kind of throwing them out there in a match like this, it was great. Listen, I'll take it on an episode of of Raw like this, but even three segments of this to me was a little little bit too much because I simply did not have enough attention on the results, nor nor the story here to keep my attention for three whole blocks of television. But um, already, I think you could tell that the addition of these three in particular to this roster is already going to help make Raw far more watchable than it has been over the past year. And interesting that Joe took the fall and not Ray in this. Yeah, they kind of focused the camera on him. I mean, Joe took the fall, but it was AJ hitting the move on Ray that kind of caused it, you know? So, in a way, maybe they felt like they were protecting Joe that way. By him taking the pin? Well, he didn't get hit with the move, right? Like, he just kind of got caught with Ray landing on top of him. Well, uh... I'm not saying it was effective, but I think I could see that being part of the, the idea. Also, the fact that they kept the the camera on Joe and and completely ignored Ray after, afterwards in the aftermath of all this tells me that... Joe was supposed to be the one we're supposed to look at who's kind of like, who was kind of cheated and pissed off at the end of this. They showed highlights of John Cena hosting the Ellen DeGeneres show last week. And then we came out of these highlights with Michael Cole just giggling, saying there is only one John Cena. Did you watch this last week? The Ellen stuff? No, I saw some clips. He looked like he was fantastic, actually. Billy Kay took on Naomi. Oh no! Uh, sh- no comment. Um, I I'm sure this this I, I don't know in in edited form. I I I couldn't imagine watching this show. Uh, but I'm sure he did great. Like he is very I, good in these. I these I two would worlds. never watch the Ellen show. But if 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 you're telling me we need a replacement for Ellen, who's that same type of like big bubbly personality that people would love, I thought he seemed like he'd fit that role really well. Oh, I I think Cena's being groomed that he's eventually going to get his own show. Like, from all the stuff he does on the Today Show, mm-hmm. and you're filling in for Ellen, like, I think he is in that pipeline for uh, eventually getting his own vehicle. Absolutely. Billy Kay versus Naomi. They showed highlights of Naomi and Bailey defeating the Iconics for no reason last week. And then Mike Rome introduced Peyton Billy Kay. Oh, my. 
They've morphed into one person. Graves did not let this flub slide, uh, nor did he let the Iconics promo slide. They made a... They, they were trying to reference Ariana Grande. So to set this up, they made a joke about Aventi. But no, it was a Grande that they were talking about. By the end of this promo, Graves asked, who wrote that? It The joke died miserably in in Iowa, and I don't know if it would have done much better really anywhere else. Um, maybe on Ellen it would have done really well, this joke, but um, not in a, in front of a wrestling crowd in Iowa. And then in the most comical line of the night, Michael Cole says, Mike Rome is not the only one confused about the superstar shakeup. You can now go to WWE.com to get all the latest updates. <laughs> Hey, at least they're being honest. Yes, we we knew we blew it this year, everyone. It's confusing as fuck. Yeah. Um, this match was looking really all over the place, and then Naomi hit a leaping sunset flip for the win in 70 seconds and pinned Billy Kay. So the Iconics, I think, have lost every single match since winning the tag titles, and I guess they have a plethora of challengers, although most of the team's just get broken up that beat them. But now Naomi has two wins over Billy Kay. Now she just needs a partner. Yeah. I uh, I feel like they've, I mean, they, you, you knew that this was the run that they were going to have, right? They were never legitimate contenders to begin with. They fluked their <laughs> way into the belts. It's that same type of like, you know, like uh, money in the bank run that they give so many people who don't necessarily, you know, feel like they would legitimately win. They just somehow have belts as accessories. Um, you know, this wasn't much of a match, and I don't really have a problem with, with that because um, the shorter the better sometimes when, when you just want to tell a story. And I feel like aside from the lack of foresight and Bailey changing brands so so immediately after giving her the win last week, I feel like they're doing a pretty decent job of building Naomi as the next challenger. Who do you think becomes her partner? Well, that's a big problem in <laughs> them building this up. She has them a partner. Yeah. Uh who are your babyface options right now on on Raw? I think an like obvious choice would be Sasha, but do you go back to Sasha after you already, you know, took the belt off of her with Bailey? Um, if there Like I'll give it some time, but if there's no grand plan for Bailey and Sasha's getting a new partner, why did you split this team up? I don't get it personally. They were really over. Yeah. And I don't feel they're going to be I again, it goes to the theory about breaking up these teams. Like it's great if you have Tremendous ideas for them, but I, I don't feel these two are going to be stronger on their own. And if Sasha's just like, there's no other baby faces on Raw. Nikki Cross, which would be really awkward. I mean, they could they could have a fun like you know um, like odd couple type of pairing with Naomi and, and Nikki. Like one one glows, the other's just like complete darkness. Cross glow. Oh my god. Cross glow. Uh, there was a Bray Wyatt promo with the with the doll, which we would get a big culmination to later in the show. And then our next three-way was The Miz, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin. They fought on the floor. Drew nailed Miz from behind. And then Corbin ran shoulder first into the post. A damaging, damaging maneuver. And then Miz hits his kicks to Corbin in the corner. He's attacking both Drew and Corbin. Uh, it looks crazy. Uh, and then he starts delivering the it kicks to both. If this guy's a baby face, he can't do these. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tend to agree with you, except like the crowd reacted really well to him on this in this match. And uh, they got into the near falls. Uh, but th- these it kicks are horrendous. They're pretty bad, sure. But what other moves does he have? This is like one of his big moves, like one of five big moves he has. Well, he's got to do like a month of Muay Thai. Like you can you can get good looking kicks in a decent amount of time. How weird is that? Like he all of a sudden would start doing this as a baby face thing while Daniel Bryan has adopted them as, as a heel move. Maybe he's a baby face because he's protecting his opponents. Yeah. Sure. With light offense. Uh, Miz came off the turnbuckle, taking out both on the floor. AJ's watching in the back. Drew then misses with the Claymore kick. Miz applies to figure four, but Drew gets out with a thumb to the eye. Drew is sent to the floor, catches Miz with the deep six. Uh, Corbin does for a two count. And then Corbin runs on the floor and gets knocked into the steps. Uh, We get Drew with some near falls on Miz, blocks the end of days. There's a DDT to Corbin for another near fall. The crowd is getting into this um, with Miz trying to get the, the series of falls. And then Corbin goes to the floor. Drew hits the Claymore on Miz, but then Corbin returns, shoving Drew to the floor, and he steals the pinfall on Miz, and Baron Corbin will meet AJ Styles in two hours. Yeah. I heard a million clicks at this point. Um, I mean, li- yeah, listen, it didn't surprise me, honestly, because it's nothing really surprises me with how much they give Baron Corbin these days, including this match where... um. I, again, I was quite impressed by by how much the crowd, at least you know, in the second hour, had took to the Miz as a babyface. Even in this case, without being linked to Shane McMahon, um, so I thought he did a good job here. And do you think that they're they they were teasing some type of breakup between the uh, McIntyre Corbin um, alliance? Uh, there was no Bobby Lashley on this show. Yeah, that would be unfortunate if the triangle falls apart. Yes. Yeah, I guess they were kind of teasing that here. Oh, God. Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait. Yeah. Charlie interviewed AJ backstage. I think, I think the weak link in, in all of these equations really is just Baron Corbin. Uh, Yeah, and they, I think they love this guy. I think they absolutely love him. But you know what? To, to me, though, I think Corbin is is definitely like a has a real turnoff factor. But for me, like I think 75% of that comes from the way he looks. He just looks terrible. Um, and I just don't understand for somebody like Vince McMahon, who puts such a high priority on, on the way people look. Sure. The man's tall, but then you dress him up in like a, a bartender's outfit and there's no way you could take him seriously. You know, I prefer the his belly button, his exposed weird belly button to, to what he's wearing right now. Certainly not two times in a three-hour show. I promise you if they put him in trunks, you would arrive at this conclusion within a week. That is true. That is That could be true. Charlie interviewed AJ. He says it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And he feels like a bulldog. I not a pit bull. Pit, yeah, I he's was, not. He's now a bulldog. He morphed breeds. Yeah. He's, he cr- uh, yeah, wow. Okay. He lists off all of Baron's accolades, but then mentions his own, including being the longest champion in SmackDown history. He beat John Cena, and Baron is the biggest bully in the yard, and he hopes that Seth Rollins is watching their match tonight, which could not be guaranteed. Sami Zayn came out, did his obnoxious walkout, 
and said the fans created a false narrative that he was bitter while he was gone. He says he was jubilant. And he pulled up his Instagram to show how happy he was with pictures of him from around the world, including on a canopy in Mexico, which was a great photo. And I just wanted to know who was taking these photos. Yeah, I don't know. Whoever he went on vacation with. Um, I thought this was great. Like, to me, there, there aren't many more heel acts that, you know, you can commit than to show somebody a slideshow of your vacation photos. Yes. The the one of him on the hammock was my just he just had this great look on his face and it just so suited uh the vibe he's going for here. Do you think he took those knowing that he would use it for a heel promo someday? No. I I'm I'm sure he had no idea what he was doing when he was coming back. But he said he started to feel depressed and ang- and anxiety as his comeback got closer. He asked what could it be? Could it be the corporate structure that he doesn't agree with? Being surrounded by egomaniacs in the locker room? No, he realized the root of the problem was the people who have created a toxic culture. He insulted Des Moines and lists all of the places he would rather be and ends by telling the fans to go to hell. Yeah, they said you can take a trip to hell. There's a scathing promo from Sami Zayn on Des Moines. Um, You know, I've kind of yet to really understand completely the idea of what the character is yet, but I find it very entertaining mainly because it sounds so real. Like, I feel like I'm just watching a man air out his real grievances about his employer and about his his audience on live TV each week. Um, <laughs> there's something like just fun it's, about that. It's not hard for public figures to be able to conjure up uh, legitimate hatred for the public at large. And just go go to Paige's Twitter right now. I mean, it's just, you're just flooded with this stuff every single day, and it all becomes just one giant voice, and it represents all fans, and it's very easy, I'm sure, to be able to to draw from that. I suppose when you're a babyface, you focus on, like, the positive comments, and when you're a heel, you focus on the negative ones, and and, and this is, you know, Sami Zayn comes across like a guy who's, who's very, very good at taking, you know, real emotions and kind of turning, exaggerating them into a a heel promo or heel character, much in the same way that we're seeing with somebody like a Daniel Bryan with this current incarnation of his character. Cedric Alexander came out and had a quick little uh, face off with Sami Zayn, who was on his way out and the debuting Cesaro on raw took on Cedric. And uh, I I thought they had a very good match here. Uh, Cesaro Mm -hmm. caught him off the turnbuckle with a tilt a whirl backbreaker. And that began his attack on the lower back. He hit him with forearms. He stomped Cedric's hand and was wearing him down. Alexander made his comeback, which included a spinning elbow, and then took out Cesaro's knee, hit a Michinoku driver for a two, and a Topekan hero to the floor. And then as he went for the springboard, he got nailed with an uppercut, and Cesaro pinned him in six minutes and 25 seconds. So it feels like uh, it's Cesaro that was uh, not the setup guy here for Cedric Alexander. It was vice versa, uh, but I I like the match. I thought a very good match, um, but you know the lack of crowd attention here uh, and and the silence throughout most of it to me was very glaring, and I kind of chalked that up to maybe a lack of introduction really to both men. Like with Cedric, you gave a few videos here and there, um, but he hardly feels like a star. And Cesaro, I think everybody knows, but you really just kind of know as a tag team guy without any real type of strong identity that he's carved out on his own. Certainly no hype you know, leading to this appearance. So I thought it was a match that was very lacking in star power, nor any type of reason to care about the outcome. 
Um, so it was just a match, and the crowd reacted as such. I'm I'm a little disappointed to see, especially after you know the guy getting such a big send off from 205 Live. So so much real emotion, like the videos that they captured backstage of Cedric like crying, you know, hugging uh, Triple H and and various people in the back. I finally made it. I finally made it up onto the main roster after years and years and years. Cruiserweight Classic, couple of years on 205 Live, WrestleMania. I finally made it to the main roster, just so you could lose in your debut match to Cesaro. So I'm disappointed that, um, you know, the man received the promotion to essentially become a jobber on Raw, it looks like. Um, I, I I mean, obviously, he can continue to get a push, but I mean, I it doesn't bode well when you lose your first match in. And that's nothing against Cesaro. I think Cesaro should cer- certainly get a win, but so should, should Cedric. You didn't have to put either man in this match. They could both have been in separate matches or even leave them off for one week and then give both guys strong wins to start. But to me, it just looks like um, Cedric's just kind of fulfilling that, you know, Mustafa Ali, like cruiserweight underdog role who, you know, the type of person who can lose a lot and then maybe once in a while they'll get a small push. It's also death when these guys don't even get promo time. They don't get anything but these matches uh, to get over. And that's just, you know, that just becomes death if you don't have... Anything to define your character by, you don't get any promo spots. It's it just becomes very very difficult when you're slotted into that position, and you you just become that that person, and then you're Apollo Cruz. Mm-hmm. Charlie interviewed the Usos, and it led to uh, Jimmy and Jay calling her Charlie Car Uso. Oh. That was pretty clever, I, I thought. Didn't, didn't notice that one. They've probably been waiting all this time on SmackDown since Charlie Caruso showed up just to be able to do that. Who else can they do that with? Um, Russo. Vince Russo. Oh. Oh, yeah. He's going to come back now just for that spot. Yeah, bring him back. Uh, they mentioned the Lucha House Party. And then Jimmy made a drinking and driving reference. Oh, man. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, was he the one? Well, they, they bo- Jimmy was not driving okay. in that, that arrest a uh, few months back. Uh, he was the passenger. Um, but yeah. Jay had the issue last year. Right. They bring up the Viking Raiders. Yep. The Viking Raiders Who? way. Who? Uh, they no longer are experiencing their name. They are now raiding. Oh, my God. The Viking. They are the Vikings that raid. Cole had, Cole's commentary this week was, I mean, the commentator's commentary this week was very kind of meta and self, self-deprecating. Cole said, their debut had the WWE Universe talking in more ways than one. About the Viking experience. I mean, I think it's kind of rare that you see this level of backlash that, you know, would actually motivate them to to admit fault and to make a change. Um, Viking Raiders, I would say, is still not ideal. But I think at this point, the audience will take it over the alternative. Oh, if only the backlash pay-per-view was next and they could have gone from this segment to plug in the pay-per-view. I think Cole would have had a masterful segue. I can see that pay-per-view name being changed at some point, especially with, with it being so close to... Saudi Arabia shows. So the, uh, what I am hearing is that in June, um, so originally there was going to be a backlash show 
that was going to be very close to the Saudi Arabia show. And it was going to be in San Diego. And the uh, the SoCal Uncensored site was the first to report that was off. And I've heard there is going to be a second pay-per-view in June. Uh, that's probably going to be June 23rd, which okay. is a bit. I don't know the Saudi Arabia date, though. Um, there is a date going around, but they haven't officially announced it. But I am hearing there are going to be two pay-per-views that month for WWE. And and any word on – well, okay, I guess one of them is going to – but, like, any word on maybe, uh, I guess, any any type of uh, female-led show like they did with the last Saudi Arabia show? Or is this – I guess you haven't heard anything. Uh, n- nothing I've heard in that direction. Are you talking about women being on the Saudi Arabia show? No, I mean, like, a women-only show like they did seemingly oh, back in no. November. But, no. Yeah. Um, I don't when, expect it, really, I guess. Yeah, I mean – when the pay-per-view schedule was kind of known, uh, it was notable that there wasn't an Evolution show um, planned for this year, which I think is a big mistake. I think they should absolutely do it again. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But, I mean, you don't have Ronda Rousey this year, but I still feel like that was such a a positive show for the company to run that I would definitely do it again. Uh, and they very well could. Um, it's just that's not one of the shows that is is known as when the pay-per-view schedule came out this year. Then the uh the revival walk in, call the Usos decent hands and call themselves the greatest team in the history of SmackDown, but this is raw and then the Usos pretend to fall asleep while the revival are talking. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean it's a matchup I'm salivating over. I think these two could be f- tremendous together. I hope they get enough time to tell a good story at a pay-per-view. Um I hope they get a bit of a story, too. To me, that's... You know, it almost doesn't really matter because I think in ring it'll be so strong, but I... Um, a story's always nice. Um, yeah, so it looks like these two teams will be paired for the, the time being, and then we had the Viking Raiders versus the Lucha House Party, but it ended before it even started because the Vikings attacked them before the match. Eric hit them with a slam and a, a power bomb to Kalisto and Metalik together uh, while lifting them. And then Dorado is pressed in the air into a power slam, which is called the Viking experience. Okay. So they got it. It's in now there. a move. Yes. Yeah. Listen, is the, is the word war that bad? Like what, what is his, what is his, what is his th- deal against that word? Why? Why all that? Tr- all this trouble just to get you rid can't, of that you one can't, word? You can't ask why when it comes to these words. Okay, dude, it's it, not a hospital; it's a local medical facility. <laughs> it's like, so you can't, you can't try and figure out this any was of this stuff. This was also another segment that that felt incredibly flat. The reactions for, from this audience were very quiet here, and I think at least in some part, it's due to this audience not knowing how to take it. For one thing, they're all of a sudden now heels. They attack before the bell. They're here facing a ba- an undersized babyface team, and they destroyed them. Um, meanwhile, on NXT, like they're they've been babyfaces this whole time. So, um, also just like taking the word "war" from these guys on such short notice, I feel like has you know obviously hurt them, but in more ways than one because they still do the whole chanting thing upon entrance. They encourage the audience to chant, but now they don't have a word to tell the audience to chant. So everybody's just like confused. Like, are we supposed to say war? We're we supposed to say like Viking? Are we supposed to say like, we don't know. So uh, I thought they 
two weeks in, I it's maybe slightly better, but I, I I'm not too optimistic about this either. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. They're the tag champions. And they're asked about the new teams on Raw. They said the Vikings are big, but they're new. And they have been here for over a decade and called them smelly and horny, woolly mammoths. Oh, okay. This is where I was like falling into a coma during this show as I was looking at my watch. God, a really weak promo. And I'm disappointed because like this was a team that I think probably has been, you know, wanting a storyline for a long time, a push for a long time. They have the belts. They won them at WrestleMania. And they've really done nothing with them. They've not really been impressive. They haven't been impressive in ring. These promos have been nothing. So I don't see this lasting too long. I just sound like it does look like the Viking Raiders are going to be paired with them, though. Yeah, just to take the belts off them, I assume. That's fine. That's fine. I I did not see this run with Ryder and Hawkins going long. I'd be fine if they just flipped the titles onto the, the Viking Raiders. Becky Lynch came out. She knows her latest challenge is Lacey Evans. She doesn't mind being sucker punched. Uh, says Lacey is in the back trying to further her career. And she gave a look to the crowd just in case they didn't realize what she was implying. And she's ready to fight anyone and calls out Alicia Fox. But first Evans comes out and said that Becky lets her emotions get the best of her, perhaps because she's Irish. And a lady is always in complete control of her emotions and never a show off. And at Money in the Bank, she is going to teach the man how to respect a lady with the woman's right. And both titles will be around her waist. Becky came back calling her a plank and is getting on her last nerves and not to confuse her recent happiness with contentment. So the notable thing is the fact that last week when you had Natalia and Lacey Evans making the challenges to Becky, it was for the Raw women's title. This week, it implies that both titles will be on the line at Money in the Bank. Yes. Yes, that's right. Both belts are on the line. Um, I, I really didn't like Becky like throwing the insinuation that Lacey has her push because she slept her way to it you know i think it's a really weak insult from like a babyface lead um and just kind of it's what it's what ronda did with the with the bella twins feud going into evolution i mean they did they went with the same playbook yeah yeah i don't know something to me like about like i i didn't like that promo at the time either with rousey for the same reason but so much of like what this current becky lynch character stands for i think seems to like Go against, I, I I would say seems a bit more progressive than maybe like somebody who would use this as an insult. I just found it a pretty weak insult for like a lead babyface, and I I continue to be somewhat disappointed by Becky's current promos. I'm hearing more and more like you can definitely tell the the influence that Conor McGregor has had, but it just seems to be way more apparent now. Like she's almost playing Conor McGregor, and but because not, not as good. Well, because before she had like her targets and now it's it's so much on just the delivery. Like she doesn't have like, yes, she is in a program with Lacey Evans, but it just feels she's being thrown out for these promos. And so much of it is just focusing on her delivery and being Becky Lynch that I think it's becoming more somewhat transparent. And I'm with you. I feel like these promos since winning the title. um, Yeah, they just have not really hit me. As an opponent, like Lacey Evans does not bring any deal of realism that, you know, a Charlotte program or a Ronda program brought to Becky. And that was 
the the Becky Lynch character, like seeing the Becky Lynch character, like in many ways, is like especially online, is so is this kind of kind of like pseudo work shoot type of character, and when you introduce somebody as cartoonish as Lacey Evans into the mix, there's really nothing that feels as serious as as you know she had uh, going into WrestleMania. So. Then Alicia Fox comes out, and they had a non-title match. This crowd was completely asleep. Uh, they went through a commercial break. We had a two-segment Alicia Fox match, which has to be a first. Fox uh, finally gets caught in the disarmor, and she taps out right away. And then Evans jumps Becky and hits her with the woman's right twice. And Michael Cole says, the sassy Southern Belle has put the man on notice. Yes. Yes. You wouldn't say that normally? The sassy Southern Belle has put them. Now, whenever I hear the nicknames only used, I just think of your observation of Scott Stanford. Yeah, the write-ups, the WWE write-ups. Um, this match was terrible. I know I sound really pessimistic on this show, but like I'm looking back and there's just like a lot of bad. This match was really bad, and I don't know. What's, I didn't like this. What's been I was go- totally zoned out. I don't know what's been going on with Alicia Fox, but like she made her return here, and clearly, I I thought ex- showing a whole great deal of ring rust here. She looked very uncoordinated at one point. Almost looked like she almost dropped Becky on her head off of that head scissors. So, really ugly match. Charlie spoke with Corbin in the back. He mocked her interview technique, and made fun of the people at home typing on their computer. They don't believe he deserves to face Seth Rollins or that he could beat Kurt Angle. And he will make Rollins pay for making his life miserable. And Charlie says, are you looking past AJ? And he said, I'm looking straight through him. Cool. There was a WWE.com interview with Robert Roode and his new mustache. He said he's dropped 150 pounds of dead weight in Chad Gable. And he and Ricochet reminds him of Gable but lacks the magic. Uh, Renee called this mustache creepy. And yeah, this entire last year of Bobby Roode and Chad Gable uh, was thrown out the window uh, and he hated this guy this whole time. I thought, I mean, if you're going (laughs) to, there could have been great potential for that story. I think we all expected a breakup eventually to come, right? Like it almost felt like the whole existence of this team was to set up that ultimate breakup when Rude would turn on Gable or vice versa. And we never got that payoff. Instead, we're just kind of jumping right. Like we skipped through basically a year's worth of buildup so that you, you just do a turn off screen. Um, I'm very disappointed by that. Uh, and I'm sure they and the are. revival lose their best house show opponents. Yeah, sure. That's it. I think Rude's mustache is awesome. I think he looks great with it. This thing was like Tom Selleck thick. Yeah. Well, he had the beard, right? So, like, just shaved off the rest. But yeah, it's very, uh, it's it's very awesome. Rick Rude esque. I mean, maybe definitely. it's it's all in the surname. Definitely getting those comparisons even more now. This is when Corey Graves predicts a spike in pregnancies in Des Moines after tonight, and the entire announced team breaks down laughing. It was actually a pretty funny exchange yeah. because they sounded like humans having fun. <laughs> Uh, it was so damn quiet during this match. It was, I cannot remember a ricochet match that had so little heat than this. Uh, he did his deal kicking off the turnbuckle for a backflip to the floor. Uh, Cole accidentally referred to Bobby instead of Robert. Rude got the advantage. Ricochet came back, standing shooting star for a two count, no reaction. 
Then there was a spinebuster by Rude, calls for the glorious DDT, it's blocked, and Ricochet hits a modified version of his old Benadriller, and then misses with the 630, landing on his feet, gets sent into the corner, glorious DDT, and Rude pins Ricochet. Yeah, I mean, the lack of audience reaction to me really, to me, it, it, it was the coldest Ricochet match since he's been on the main roster. The and audience I- took a Benadryl before. <laughs> And I don't think that's, you know, due to his him not being with Aleister Black. I suppose, you know, being in a higher pace match with Aleister Black might have kind of got more of a reaction. But I, 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 I don't think that was the issue here. I think it was the lack of character association you, you've had with Ricochet with this with an audience. So far, he's just been a guy who just does moves. He doesn't really have much of a story going on. Doesn't have hasn't really cut any promos uh, to like at least meet any meaningful promos. I certainly also wouldn't have made this match because one of these people has to lose. And, uh, you know, it seems like you want to push both of them as new faces coming up. Um, So Ricochet had to be the one to lose here. And really unfortunate because he's also somebody who could uh, who I could see in a couple months falling into that Cedric Alexander Mustafa Ali role, which would be a real shame because I think you only encounter like some a talent like his like a couple times like in every generation so it would be such a waste i mean you have the nucleus for an awesome main event scene built around seth rollins at the moment yeah show and ricochet should be absolutely up there yeah then we had the firefly funhouse bray wyatt is on a set of a of a children's show and getting these uh uh it was a, like a cheers, uh, cheers off screen by all these kids with this, and then it turned into this creepy music. I'm doing my best to describe this fucking thing. So tough. please have, yeah. Well, it's a children's show. It's like a faux, you know, yeah, creepy children's show. Uh, and then we had Mercy the Buzzard pop out, which is that uh, buzzard that we've seen in all the previous promos over the past two weeks, and Abby the witch. Oh, is the Abby. other promos? Yes, of course, Lizen's sister Abby. Yes. And Bray explains, I used to be a bad man and the children booed, but that part of him is dead and he will never become that slob of a loser again. And he's got a cardboard cutout of himself in the old Bray Wyatt attire and he pulls out a chainsaw and destroys himself with the chainsaw, not physically himself, but the cardboard cutout and then laughs while holding up the chainsaw. And that concluded the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. I can think of another F word that was coming to mind during this segment. Hey, a lot of thought went into this. Yeah. This was not something they thought of this afternoon. Uh, they have clearly put a lot of thought into oh, this yeah. for weeks. Well, I'll just say, I mean, it's it's only been one week, and, and I, I'm keeping an open mind on it. I, I, I would say if the intent was to grab your attention the first weekend, I think they've done that. Um, hey, br- hey, Bray... Like you can tell when guys get awful ideas and they're just not their heart is not into it. This guy was into this. Like he's trying his best with whatever this is, and we'll see if it works. But maybe he came he, up with it. He very well could have. I mean, he's someone that has been very hands on with this character, so it wouldn't surprise me if this was something uh, he was very much involved with. So, yeah, you keep an open mind. It certainly has the high high potential to be on our worst of list at the end of the year. Uh, but it's not yet. 
I think I think like to me the, the barometer of whether or not it makes it to a list like that is is to see what application it has when it comes to a professional wrestling feud or a match. Uh maybe we're 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 still a ways away from it, but trying to envision like this version of Bray in ring and and what that might look like. And I'm imagining what this conversation will look like in three weeks. That's why I want to hedge because I feel we're being way too we're giving way too much benefit of the doubt, but we're trying. We we should though, you know, one weekend. AJ Styles, Baron Corbin in the main event. Mike Rome introduces Corbin, lists off all his stuff. Corbin drops him with a right hand, and he's got the heat at the beginning. Styles went for a springboard on the floor off the barricade, and he had to wait for Corbin to stop him. Then it's all Corbin. He goes for the chokeslam backbreaker, but Styles turns it into a roll-up, then tries for the Styles clash, and Corbin kicks him away. There's a Pele kick that barely connects. Corbin still sells it. Hits the deep six for a two count. Then Styles applies the calf crusher, but Corbin slams Styles head into the mat to break it. And then Styles nails him with a strike from the floor, hits the phenomenal forearm, and wins this match in 13 minutes and 7 seconds. The show ends with Seth Rollins coming out. He did, in fact, watch the match, shook hands with AJ, and for four weeks we are going to build up to the first ever singles match between Rollins and Styles at Money in the Bank. First real singles match? Yeah, they've done three ways. Uh, They've done tag matches, but they have not had a singles match together that I'm aware of. Interesting. Uh, You know, this... Technically, I thought the match was fine, um, and I think like if it was in the first hour, it, it would have been good, even. But like three hours in, you know, my second time watching Baron Corbin uh, on this show in the main event, I it was really tough to get into, and and I I certainly felt that same lack of reaction from the audience throughout. Um, but uh, listen, whatever the end result is, I, I I do like Rollins versus AJ. I think that's you know a top match you make from this new roster. Uh, I imagine it'll be the first, perhaps in a series, because I think both will will be fantastic and probably can carry a bigger bigger story. Um, but overall, I thought this was such such a cookie cutter, lazy by the numbers edition of Raw that what could have been generated in like a career mode of of two K or something. Um, I do like the changes to the roster, though. You know, I'm happy to see guys like Cesaro and Rude get singles runs. I'm not happy with the way they booked certain some of the the, the newer projects like Ricochet, Cedric, or even the War Raiders as you know heels. I think that's a kind of a misstep. Um, and the Bray thing, I'm kind of keeping an open mind to right now. Yeah, I, I didn't think this was a great show. Um, it really dragged for me throughout this uh, this show, and it's all these new names that. I would think the it shouldn't be dragging. Yeah, how uh, unfortunate that the first week after your brand split, you have a show that feels, at least to you and I, John, that like as as big of a drag as any others. Yeah, I don't think the movements like yes, you do technically have new matchups, and there are people switching shows, but I don't think there's a, I don't think people are really invigorated because I think it's very everyone is interchangeable at the moment between shows and it doesn't have the impact of years past. And that's something they have to, they're going to have to uh, build up a lot of these characters and focus on a lot of programs. Um, And that has not been a strong suit of late. So it's not going to come from just the, the hot shotting of moving people shows, because I don't think that's going to have the desired impact. I think interchangeable is like a perfect word because the booking is the same. The stories are the same. Even the matches are all the same. 
everything is just like cookie cutter. We just, you know, change Titan Trons and we change like uh, skins on the characters, you know, for, 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 for this episode as compared to previous. But the show is the same. It's exactly the same as it was. Let's head over to feedback on the forum. And where are you going on your scale tonight? Oh, uh, I'm going to go five. Five on the dot. Sure. Maybe I'm being generous even. I went lower. Okay. Oh, they went five too. Great. Jake from the Windy City. I might be in the minority, but I'm really digging Firefly Funhouse so far. That was my highlight of the night because Bray totally made that work. I'm intrigued and curious to see where they go with this because this could be the biggest swerve they might put on us this year. Yeah, it could be. Seems to be setting up for some type of swerve or maybe not. We'll see. Paul from New Jersey says, so let's recap. The show started out with Seth Rollins and his dad in the ring being weird. As much as I don't like the trope of all the challengers coming out one by one in some sort of conveyor belt setup, I can't deny that there were strong reactions. Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin did get heat, which is good. Your reigning defending women's tag team champions have gone 0-3 since winning the titles. I'm not counting the Brooklyn Bells. With no backup, Naomi defeated Kay in a Divas match as Peyton stares on blankly. I proceeded to just turn the television off. If the writers don't care, I don't see why I should either. No reason to watch the show unless you're getting paid to do so. The booking has been absolute garbage since Mania. P.S. A little birdie from Austin informed me that after I shut off my television, Bobby, excuse me, Robert Roode defeated Ricochet clean. Did the brass drop acid before the show? AJ from PA. Really enjoyed the show tonight. A lot of solid matches and very little nonsense. The name change and the mustache just works for Rude. And I'm curious where the Bray thing goes. Reminds me of when the New Day started. <laughs> okay. I think if you're going to do a Babyface versus Babyface pay-per-view main event, this was a great way to build it. I will always enjoy a show-long mini tournament as it gives everyone a motivation for their matches. And it's not just about building momentum. Do you think either AJ or Rollins will turn? Who would you think would have a better heel run on Raw right now? 7 out of 10. Well, AJ certainly enjoyed the show a lot more. Uh, I don't see either turning at the moment, I, nor would I turn at either of them right now. Yeah, I think it's maybe a little early to turn uh, either of them. But if I had to pick one eventually, it would be AJ because I would say Rollins right now is just that, uh, you know, he feels like he's a franchise of this show right now. And is somebody who's very beloved and I wouldn't wouldn't turn him. We go to B who says B Detroit, who says, OK, guys, I think it's finally time. I've been that fan that watches everything, even when so many people I know rage quit the product. I was the one friend with hope. I'm an admin on a Facebook wrestling group, too. I post a live thread every Monday for Raw, and my numbers are just sad now. I've even been trying to get people to watch again because of the new call-ups, but after I saw the Viking Raiders, Robert Rude, and Bray's new creepy kids show, I was already preparing myself for the 10-minute conversation with my dad trying to explain what's going on. All that to say I have to step away from Raw for a while. I'll just stick to SmackDown Live, NXT, and NXT UK, and the Indies. I'll let you guys fill me in from here. God bless you poor guys. And finally, what a way to cap off this Raw review. Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest Pascal Siakams. It is I... Say un placer. <laughs> okay, let's move on here to his oh, meanderings. You're not going to. I, I I can't pull off the the amount of French he has he has uh, put here in front of me. Uh, how long before the Viking Raiders become the Las Vegas Raiders after impending after their impending move from Oakland next season? Also, their finisher called the Viking Experience, LOL, which with Brandon we know is legit. Separation at birth. Peter Avalon and Ruby Riot. 
I I felt that same thing actually. That's that's a good observation. Yeah. With the whole Jimmy John situation and their founder being an illegal big game hunter, you think the WWE would think twice with letting Brock wear their logo on his trunks if he ever returns. I don't think they care. Way like that. Your yeah. thoughts on the Philadelphia 76ers versus the Toronto Raptors, which is not the second round matchup yet. The Raptors By the way, this ties in you and I may be the only people in Toronto watching SmackDown Tuesday night because not only are the Raptors playing Orlando, where they're one win away from winning this series, but it's game seven between the Leafs and the Bruins, meaning it's the final Leafs game of the season. Oh, wow. Uh, and these are both going down Tuesday night, head to head with SmackDown in Canada. Well, maybe you'll be the only person watching. <laughs> are you going to are you going to leave me no, alone? I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't give a fuck at all about that stuff. By the way, if somebody wanted to hear you talk more about sports, John, how could somebody do that? Uh, you can go over to WrestlingObserver.com, and I'm on uh, Antonio Thomas's show, uh, the most recent one. And I warned him ahead of time. I said, dude, I do not know a whole lot of stuff about sports. And way you could probably tell from listening uh, to this show. But we ended up uh, chatting about, it. first of all, Antonio Thomas is an encyclopedia on any sport under the sun. And... Uh, once, once we got into like the Toronto Raptors from 20 years ago, that was my jam. And I was, I was able to keep up with the conversation. Um, I think you're a man of many talents and I think you're, you're selling yourself short with, with your sports knowledge. So, well, that is going to, uh, wrap up our feedback. Uh, before we end off here, uh, let's just quickly chat. Did you see all of, uh, the shield show on Sunday? I did, uh, and I mean, I slept. I fell asleep for the main event. <laughs> well, then I'll be, that, I'll be honest. Well, uh, I'm but, glad. Um, that, but I, I, I caught the post match. I, I thought it was, you know, fine. I liked the length. It was an hour. It was three matches. You had uh, a really quick match with Finn Balor and Elias. Like this was all designed for a house show audience with Elias doing the song ahead of time and. You know, it was just a quick match, six and a half minutes. Then you had uh, Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan losing to Bailey and Ember Moon. This one went seven minutes. There was interaction with the Riot Squad, with Elias. And then the it, main event... It might have been the Riot Squad's last... It was. Match. It was their last match. Did they say that? They said it on the show. Yeah, it was because oh, okay. they're all... They're breaking up the crews now to go Raw and SmackDown. Yes. So it was the Riot Squad's final chapter as well. And then Rollins, Reigns, and Ambrose defeated Drew, Lashley, and Corbin uh, in the main event. 14-25 it went, and it ended with the Shield hitting the triple power bomb and Rollins getting the pin uh, after Dean uh, tagged out. And then they did a promo afterwards. Rollins gave a nice speech. Uh, Reigns declined to speak. Uh, and then Ambrose gave a great, genuine promo uh, about the Shield, about his brothers, and telling everybody to not listen to those that doubt you to go out and do whatever you want to do. And that was it. And that was his that was his write off. Felt like a feel good moment. Um, you know, which sometimes is unusual for people leaving the company. Um, to me, it was kind of cool seeing like a ringside announce desk. Yeah, yeah, I liked it too. They were bringing up the fact you had Renee there on commentary with Graves and Cole. She was wearing this custom made jean jacket uh, for Dean Ambrose, and I, I thought Renee was going to get into the ring at the end, but they didn't involve her in the uh, the final moment. But yeah, I like this. I 
I see so much WWE product now that I'm not clamoring for more of these. But I think every now and then, if there's a reason for it, uh, sure, why not? But I think there needs to be a reason. Like, just a WWE house show for no reason. I just think there's so much now that it's not special enough. And this this barely... I happen to be home Sunday night. It's the reason I watched this. Uh, Had I not, I don't think I would have lost sleep. Uh, I definitely would not have lost sleep missing this. Doing this, I mean, feels, you know, a bit like an experiment to see what type of content they can put out uh, in the future for for the network, I'm sure. Um, But you're right. It it absolutely needs a hook. I, I will say, you know, putting some of these other matches on beforehand... To me, like we're we're a great glimpse of like what you could expect at at a house show, which I don't feel like I normally understand. Like I, I like seeing some of those matches, they looked like fun. You know, they looked like matches where these guys yes. could just go out there and have long matches, not worry about the hard camera, not worry about the commercial breaks, and the baby face almost always wins. So like I saw some of those matches and I'm a little bit more likely now to want to go to a house show just for a good time, not necessarily for any type of, you know, major storyline implications, but more so just to like see fun wrestling. All right. I think that's going to bring an end to the show. Way and I will be back to recap game seven of the Bruins and Leafs on Tuesday night and uh, get around to SmackDown at some point. They have promoted. uh, What do we have? Uh, Roman Reigns is going to face the consequences of attacking Vince McMahon. So there we go with our big angle. Oh my god, uh, Kofi Fuck. Kingston. I'm sorry. Versus- it's just that's like the same shit we've seen like forever. Get ready. Vince isn't taking a bump for no reason, unless you're AJ Styles. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura and Kofi Kingston, non-title and face to face, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair for the first time since WrestleMania. That's what's being promoted. So good chance that at least two of those three will happen on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And maybe some more shakeups. <laughs> yeah, for all we know, um, the rosters will be completely changed around. Man, if Bobby Lashley showed up tomorrow, like I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, there there are some interesting things on SmackDown. There's wherever they're going with Bailey. I think that's kind of interesting. Uh, no one seems to know anything about Daniel Bryan, so mm-hmm. I would say if he's off the show, uh, that's concerning. If he's been off, you know, all these shows, so that's something to watch on Tuesday night and. I guess beyond that, and, and Sheamus, uh, if we mm. see Sheamus on the show or not. Right. So he's reportedly dealing with a concussion. So with a concussion, you really don't have a timetable. It's it's when the guy's ready to come back. So uh, we will find out, or we will not. Uh, very well could be just on the sidelines. So that is it for us. You can go to postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com, and we will speak with you on Tuesday night.